Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks so much for tuning in here for this episode of the show. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation in just a moment. I'll be joined by Harvey Rosenthal, who's the CEO of the New York Association of Psychiatric Rehabilitation Services. And Harvey and I will discuss uh, the mental health and mental illness crisis in New York, uh, what to do about people who are suffering and how to help them and how to make uh, New York City and New York State safer for everyone. Uh, services available, programs that uh, Harvey and the New York Association of Psychiatric Rehabilitation Services and their partners believe should be expanded, uh, things they believe should not be done as the conversation accelerates in uh, Albany and City Hall around uh, how to help people who are suffering in the subways, on the streets and elsewhere. And we'll get into a lot of that in just a moment. Real quick, if you've missed any recent episodes of the show, you can find them all at Max Politics, wherever you get your podcasts, or we have them all at the Gotham Gazette website. Been having a series of discussions with elected officials, appointed officials, advocates, and experts. Uh, some really interesting conversations spanning a wide range of topics, including what's happening in state government right now as uh, state budget season and legislative season season heats up uh, conversations on the podcast with State Senator Liz Kruger of Manhattan, State Senator Jessica Ramos of Queens, uh, and others have also had some really interesting conversations recently on New York's climate and clean energy goals and implementation of programs to meet those goals. And then at the, at the city level, have been speaking with some new city council members who chair interesting and important committees had a conversation recently on the podcast with the three city council members who are the new chairs of the city council's committees on health, on hospitals, and on mental health. Got all three of those council members together to talk about their uh, backgrounds and their vision and their priorities. And then also recently a conversation with city council member Sandy Nurse, who is the new chair of the council's sanitation committee about issues related to trash and garbage and recycling and, and so much more in New York City. So a lot of great conversations. Again, find them all at Max Politics, wherever you get your podcasts or the Gotham Gazette website. Okay, Harvey Rosenthal, CEO of New York Association of Psychiatric Rehabilitation Services. Thanks so much for joining me here. Thank you for having me, Ben. I appreciate the uh, your focus on uh, mental health crisis that we're dealing with now. Describe what you see as that crisis, please. Uh, you know, obviously, there's so much attention. We saw uh, a lot more attention regalvanized around the killing in Times Square of Michelle Goh, uh, pushed in front of a train by someone who uh, allegedly, apparently, has had a long history of mental illness and in and out of uh, courts and, and the criminal system and treatment and lack of treatment. Uh, re-galvanizing the conversation, but this conversation was obviously already ongoing, largely focused on uh, people who are often seen in the subway system or on the streets. But from your perspective, a little bit of, of just your view of, of how we should be thinking about this crisis and, and what's uh, happening in New York City and, and New York State. Well, Ben, I think the place to start is the false sort of, of connection with violence and mental illness and people with mental illness. So the tragedy of Michelle Goh and the murder of Michelle Goh uh, is a tremendous tragedy and our hearts go out to 
to the family. And but people with mental illnesses are 11 times more likely to be the victims of violence. So it's important and only responsible, I think, for 4% of violence. So it's important not to make this about violence. This is a tragedy, but these are relatively rare episodes. However, the issue of homelessness, homelessness in the subways, people getting insufficient treatment, quick hospitalizations, and people not getting the kind of discharges, lack of housing, the presence of poverty, uh, discrimination, uh, and racial disparity, you know, up and down the ladder, there's all kinds of issues to deal with. This is needs to be looked at in the broadest sort of scope. This is not a, a question of violent mentally ill. It's a question of, are there adequate services uh, that are working in all the right sort of places that work together? And I think the mayor said this a week or so ago. And who's in charge? Who's actually coordinating the help and the care for each individual? Uh, the healthcare system is a morass to begin with. The mental health care system is even more disconnected, fragmented, and under-responsive. So I'll say one other thing is there's a big focus. Today, there was a front page article in one of the tabloids and over the weekend in the Times and, and back in the other tabloids a week or so ago. And, you know, the, the press that we get as a community is just awful and misses the point of what's needed. There's a real focus on Kendra's law which we have opposed from the very beginning in 1999. And we oppose it because we shouldn't have to rely on the courts and the cops to provide people with the care that they need. And even people who are seen as non-responsive to care, we know how to engage a lot of those folks. We're just not given the kind of tools and uh, the amount of services that are necessary for that. So coercion is really not the answer to this, but the quick formulation is, Violent, mentally ill in the subway, we've got to round them up, force them into treatment and get them off the street. And remember that these are individuals, they could be your family, you know, they could be you at some point. And we have to look at this as a human issue and what will help those folks help the city too. But I just think the quick formulation of there's, there's a terrible single murder or, or more than more than one, there's several, but not doesn't represent the community, but the idea is we got to sweep the streets, get these people off, force treatment on them, and if need be, and if need be, lock them up. So, so um, a lot in what you said, and obviously gets at the complicated nature of of this issue, and it's really a series of issues. Um, and a point well taken in terms of not stigmatizing all people with mental illness as um, as violent, certainly. Um, so, so your organization, uh, New York Association of Psychiatric Rehabilitation Services, um, is a, is a statewide coalition, uh, operating in, in various regions of the state, including New York city, where we're obviously, uh, focused at Gotham Gazette, um, and, and focused on improving services and conditions for people with, with psychiatric disabilities or diagnoses, um, and, and others. When we talk about, um, some people say severe mental illness, uh, the most serious mental illness, what kind of universe of, of people are we talking about? What are the most common diagnoses? And, and do we have a rough estimate of the number of people in New York State or New York City 
that um, that we might be talking about? Uh, I would say, first of all, one in five Americans have some form of mental illness. <clears throat> By mental illness, and there are obviously, it's on a continuum, which is one of the reasons we have stigma. Everybody wants to be the one that doesn't have it. And it's those people. But, you know, it's all around us, your family, my family, ourselves and people who are, who are you know, our neighbors, you know, our fellow employees. NIAMPERS really brings together our focus in particular are people who are at the level of, of having disability, very often are not able to work, uh, are on disability, are, could be homeless, or in and out of hospital. We're talking about people with significant needs. New York has made an estimate of 140,000 people who have the most serious needs. And again, that often means lack of stable housing, lack of stability, uh, you know, sort of, you know, low income and isolated. And so that's where some of these conditions can really get you. Um, and the kinds of symptoms, I suppose, that go with those people with mood disorders, issues of, of um, you know, let's call bipolar, which I have, uh, people with depression. There's the anxiety disorders. There's, there's thought disorders where people's thinking is not clear. So it could be thought, mood, and judgment. Uh, there's trauma people experience from traumatic lives, rape, war, you know, just growing up in families and neighborhoods that were traumatizing. So there's a, there's a wide array and, and everybody knows somebody who is or has or, you know, or, or is that person. And it's another reason not to stigmatize and make it those people. Mm -hmm. However, there are people who, for any number of reasons, lack resources or struggle with issues and symptoms that are considered people with more serious problems. And again, the state has identified 140,000 people mm -hmm. who ought to be getting these kinds of services that I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, and, and I want to shift very soon into more of what your vision, uh, the services you already provide, but also your vision for what, um, you know, where this conversation should head. You, you said a little bit of, of some of what you're opposed to, including Kendra's law, which is, uh, you know, where, where the court is petitioned to mandate um, outpatient service uh, treatment. Uh, which can lead, if if that if that is uh, not adhered to, it can lead to uh, mandated inpatient treatment. Um, uh, but I want to hear I want to hear more about your vision for where the conversation really should should head in both state and city policy making here in a second. Um, uh, you didn't mention uh, schizophrenia, but I assume that's that's um, that's part that's of the term that many people use as as a thought disorder. Right. Problem with, with your thinking, and and within this let estimated one hundred forty thousand people in New York, a relatively small percentage are the people that you know are most often, as you said, getting sort of the headlines and the attention. And in a in a fairly high percentage of cases, people are getting treatment. Do do we know sort of? Of 140,000 estimated people, how many, like yourself, are, um, you know, are getting necessary treatment? Well, 
I would say this. I uh, grew up, born in Astoria, grew up on Long Island, went to college in the Bronx, wound up in a mental hospital in Long Island, came to Albany, and have worked since then, since 1972, 75, on improved kinds of services. So what does that mean? The service system, I, I started working in a state hospital, believed that people could never recover, could never work, could never have relationships, couldn't make sort of good decisions. So we've come a long way with that. We, we believe people can recover given the right supports. There could be housing supports, vocational supports, social supports, financial supports. There's all kinds of, we've come away, ways, Ben, in the system of providing many more of those, a lot more housing, a lot more rehabilitation. State's launching a huge rehabilitation program we're very excited about. And hopefully you'll be hearing about but the system in many ways remains broken. And particularly there's a lack of resources, a lack of a continuum of services, particularly on the front end, the crisis end that we're really talking about here. When people are in a crisis, what do we do? What do we offer? How does it really help people? How does it help people get out of homelessness and the subway? And how can we do that without coercion? So I was asked to your point, you know, you're against Kendra's level, what are you for? That's kind of what you're saying here. I was asked by a legislative staff person that a couple of years ago. And I said, we know how to serve people, even with the most serious, you know, serious conditions, many of whom have not gotten the right kind of care or don't think they need it uh, and or maybe are hard to engage in that. So we created a model in Westchester called INSET, and it specifically works. It's peer led. Peers mean people with analysis who help each other. And it's a peer-led program that works with people who meet this, the criteria of Kendra's Law, which is a fairly serious sort of background, or are on an order now, and they have engaged people, 80% of the so-called unengageable. And that's what's called a peer-led program with a case manager. We have models like that. We have housing first models. We have crisis brand. The state is really, what people need to know is the state and the city Help is on the way and it's already coming. It's been coming and we're getting a much stronger system. You could put, we're having crisis, crisis stabilization centers, which are places where there's mental health and addiction counselors and medical personnel where you can go and in the middle of your crisis. And then there are housing programs that you can go from there, you know, to until you're more stable and, and situated. Some of them should be in the subway, Ben. We should really be all hands on deck. We know what to do. We have a lot of programs. We have teams of people that could be the governor and the mayor just are dispatching 20 uh, SOS teams that are going to be there. The mayor already has programs on the street. The state is creating many levels. We have 988 that's coming, which is a mental health hotline where you're going to get counsel, not a policeman. We got to have a better response, you know, a first response than police. Uh, so we have a whole lot of, uh, particularly the crisis system is growing overnight. All this federal money that we got is going into this crisis system. Some of them are already on the street from the city and state. Some of them are right around the corner. I mean, months around the corner. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so to your point, there are some some of these pieces in place already, and and there's a lot more, significantly more on the way. There's the potential for even more, um, but. A lot of times when people are in crisis, some of what you mentioned, um, you know, you need somebody to bring you 
somewhere, right? And you need, and you need, when you're in crisis, you not only need somebody who's able to bring you somewhere, but you have to be able to, to willingly go. Yeah. And, and that gets to one thing you mentioned was, you know, without coercion, right? Without, um, some level of coercion, obviously there's, there's some, some convincing often in, in, in any, you know, treatment, but, um, you know, without the coercion of, uh, handcuffs, a court order and so forth. Um, where is that line and, and how is that achieved? Uh, people, people struggling, uh, again, understanding this is a very small percentage, but people struggling, um, in the subway system, people struggling on, on the streets, um, what what is the right balance in your opinion in terms of how to get those folks into yeah. some sort of treatment that does not involve the more serious and and sometimes physical forms of of coercion sure well let me get to a couple the first one i would get to is we we need to avoid the police getting involved they don't want to be involved they're not the best people to be involved too often there are tragedies I think there were 16 murders by police uh, over the, I don't know how many of the last few years, police don't want to be involved in that. And they shouldn't have to. These teams that we're going to have on the street should be the first responders. There's a model coming out of the city, correct crisis intervention today, that will deploy peers that I mentioned earlier and medical personnel. Modeling on a program out of Oregon, 30-year-old program that is only called the police such a small amount of time. So we have models that are proven. Uh, We got that inset model I mentioned earlier, intensive, immediate, and sustained. We have all these new teams on the street, uh, crisis respite programs, housing first. We need more housing, Ben. Housing, you know, immediate housing that people can get off the street and go to. Uh, we have, Wait, let me pause you there. When you talk about housing, yeah, you're talking about different models, right? There's yes. supportive housing, which is more permanent, long-term yep. housing with social services therein, medical services therein, but there's also drop-in centers. There's, you know, there's a variety of, of levers there. Um, all of the above need to be expanded, or is there a certain piece of that equation that is? I think, I think all hands on deck, because we need every bit of the continuum. So if you work backwards from a person in the subway who's homeless and is struggling and looks like they have symptoms and are just not well, not clean, not, you know, not... We, we have teams that can help people and they're just putting more and more on the street. Uh, but there needs to be, you know, places for people to go. And again, I have a list and list of them that are either coming or on mm-hmm. the street. Now we, but I like housing first in particular, because it's a well-proven model created out of New York city internationally sort of copied. And it basically is unique and that it takes people who may still be using uh, alcohol or drugs, and maybe symptomatic and not taking medication. Very often, the same people that wind up on Kendra's Law, many of them, this whole side issue, people of color, there's a whole racial issue here, big time. The Kendra's Law court orders that have been have been deployed in New York City, 77% been with people of color. What does that tell you about our failure to engage people of color? And that's a huge issue in our work. And a lot of the time, unfortunately, the tragedy, some of them we see recently, it looks like, you know, people of color, but that just says how badly we fail to engage uh, that those communities. 
Uh, let me let me ask you when you when you send in one of these SOS teams or you send in folks mm-hmm. from the cahoots model that you're referring to out of Oregon or uh, non-police responses and you you provide um, counselors, uh, EMTs, others, um, and someone who's really struggling uh, in the subway on the street doesn't doesn't you know it, it can take quite a few contacts to convince somebody to come in for, for services of, of, of all kinds, whether it's someone suffering from a mental health crisis or, or not. Um, what, what should happen? How, how does that go? What's the vision for how that goes? When you have a team that comes in, they engage someone, they spend an hour with that person, but that person does not want to leave the subway platform. What happens? Well, I think, again, it's continuous. And, you know, the issue of homelessness is, is not synonymous with mental illness. No, no. Uh, you know, I just want to say that. I just want to say that. So it's a population that in general is some people are homeless for the lack of options. Some people are, are more comfortable being homeless uh, from my, you know, discussions and and research on that. But I do think it's, when I said earlier, immediate, intensive, sustained, sustained is a big word. We don't go away in peer support. We keep coming back. We may meet you in the subway. We'll be back tomorrow. We may have socks. We may have food. People don't, the first way to engage somebody is not to say, hey, you're mentally ill, let's get you on meds. It's, you need socks. Do you need food? Do you trust me? Am I gonna keep coming back? I won't, I won't let you down. I will be reliable uh, and you can count on me. And it's the persistence I think that's being there. Also, I think having stabilization centers. So if you do engage somebody in the subway, however delicate that trust is at that moment, the question is, where do you go from there? Where can people go? We need more of these centers. The state is the other day put out a uh, RFP for for 12, we need to double that. We're going to well, say I'm sorry, which kind of centers? They're called crisis stabilization centers, mm-hmm. those multidisciplinary emergency kind of programs that are mm-hmm. alternative to emergency rooms, kind of a urgent care. Mm-hmm. The state is building is going to put up 12. There should be 36. Uh, and I'm going to say that on Monday when we do our budget hearing with the legislature, we need we we have we know what works. We need to do a lot more of it. And back to what I said earlier, it needs to be sort of coordinated. And you can't have so many players that there one doesn't stand out as that's the worker that ultimately is engaging, getting the trust of and coordinating the other services. The mayor, again, saying who's in charge is a critical point. You can put a lot on the street, but if it isn't well coordinated, then you start from scratch each time a person has a contact. From your vantage point, um, to, to come back to, to what I was asking, because, you know, as, as much as... Um, Perhaps, perhaps there's an over focus on this, but when when lives, you know, are are lost, even one life, you know, in a subway pushing, um, it's, you know, it's obviously a, 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 not only a, an individual tragedy, but it it's a crisis of of uh, of public safety and perception and where perception meets reality. You mentioned, you know, persistence, but when an individual appears to be a danger is making threats. Um, help us understand from well, your think, vantage think, point the lines. Yeah. 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 
Well, I would say two things. It, from my reading in the papers, it sounded like there were six police on or near the station where uh, Michelle Go was killed. Mm-hmm. So the first question is, where are the police going to deploy? But do pol- police the ideal response? No, no, they're not. Uh, but I will tell you that the law is clear, and this is involuntary inpatient commitment. If you're a dangerous self for others, you're taken involuntarily to a hospital. So the law, we already have the law in place uh, for that. So I'm not, I'm not so airy fairy that says that the law can't be used to enforce treatment on people. It's just mm-hmm. the standard where you reach it. It needs to be a high standard dangerous self of others. If you're trying to talk to somebody and not only are they not responsive, but they're getting agitated and maybe sort of dangerous, that the law is clear about that. And we don't horse around about that. If you're a dangerous self for others, you can be taken involuntarily to a hospital. Um, in our last minute here, say, say a little bit more about um, your opposition to the use of Kendra's law again, you know, a court ordered mandatory outpatient uh, treatment. Um, what what's what's the problem there if it is get is getting is getting people into um, an outpatient treatment where they're they're somewhat stabilized in their lives and, and they're able to not be forced into an inpatient setting? You know, there was a study out of Bellevue in the late 90s that compared two models, a model of better services, more on the street, more engaging, more case management and orders. Some everybody, everybody got better services. One group got orders. There was no difference, Ben. They both got better with more and better services. Someday we'll look back and say, wow, we, we, we were so unable, not apt to engage people in this kind that we had to bring in the courts and the cops. That I think that's our point. Kendra's law order, it's in place, it's gonna happen. But our feeling is it's it's a sign of system failure. Every time we have to bring in a judge and do an order, that shows that we fail to engage the person voluntarily. And that study I mentioned earlier shows we can do that. Mm. We can do that. But they have, is the law in place and is it gonna be used? We just, every order should be seen as a potential sign of system fair and could alternatives have been provided and should they be? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right, we, 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 we could talk obviously much longer, but I appreciate the, the time and the thoughts. Uh, Harvey Rosenthal is the CEO of the New York Association for Psychiatric Rehabilitation Services. Thank you very much for joining me and, and we'll be uh, looking to talk with you more down the line here as this conversation is obviously going to continue in both um, Albany and City Hall policymaking and, and obviously everywhere else in, in New York. So thank you. Thank you, Ben. 